Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio for 10 years. The number one Irish tech podcast bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app. We keep you bang up to date on all things tech every day with hourly updates and daily newsletters which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. Now, Ireland's Edge, the creative space, is taking place in Ballina next week. Uh, September 29th is today as part of this year's Other Voices. The two-day conference will explore how places on the edge of Ireland can thrive in a future of changing technology, politics, economics and demographics. This year's massive cast of speakers includes Kim Mackenzie Doyle, who is one of Ireland's most respected product designers. Kim is President Emeritus of the Institute of Designers in Ireland and Head of Design and Innovation at Hub Controls. And in fact, you probably do know her work best in the shape of the world's most popular mouse Logitech's MX305. Kim also spearheads Mind Over Matter, a national day of design promoting awareness of mental health issues. She sat down with our editor-in-chief, Niall Kitson, to talk about all of this, starting with what design thinking is all about. I guess a good place to start is looking at the role of design in, um, in products, I suppose, because we've talked in the past about design thinking in terms of replicating how entrepreneurs thinking or how businesses can improve their processes. So finally getting down to something people can hold in their hands, where do your ideas for design come from? Do you follow a set strategy or are you much more freeform in your approach? I think um, kind of understanding the the issue in the market is kind of key and obviously trying to build a product that's actually going to resolve that potential issue. So there's, there's no point in actually developing a product for a product's sake. You have to talk to people, find out what they actually want, what's their needs and try to identify those key points that can um, make that issue either go away or um, produce a product that actually makes it easier and, and just getting that functionality really simple so that the essence of it actually it just works and it works really well it's seamless it's um, you don't need you know bells and whistles on any types of products those products typically fail um, you need to get to the essence of the um, goal quite quickly because I think a key part of design is actually reducing the steps it takes to actually form an action. And um, that can actually be quite difficult to, to build simple products. Simple products are actually the most complex pro- projects to work on. And it's a great challenge. I think um, there are some great examples out there, like in website design. There's, there's the famous three-click rule that, you know, three clicks you should be able to get to anything. And I think the iPod represents or the apotheosis of this idea of very simple design, find one thing and do it better than anyone else. Absolutely, and and I think Apple have um, some in, incredible products in their in their portfolio. But what they've done really well is they've learned from their mistakes. So they've obviously worked on a number of products, and, and a lot of them have actually failed and failed quite badly. But what they have done is acknowledge those failures, turn them around, and then cre- created even more successful products that are really easy to use, very simple, almost like uh, plug and play type products, 
and they work really effectively so the quality is 100% the engineering behind them is 100% and then the experience is just phenomenal and people uh, build emotional connections to these products so that you build your own marketing campaign by delivering these exceptionally um, wonderful beings they've become more than a product you actually you own it you know it's 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 part of part of you and it's your identity so if they're they're the real kind of um golden points or golden uh, moments for for a designer if you can build a product that just you know exists with someone do you think that element of personal ownership is really what makes products resonate and that you know people hang on to their fifth generation iPods because they work so well or they're reluctant to give up their iPhone 4S because it it might still do the job do you think that that emotional component really is the the natural end result of good design oh absolutely and I, and I think that's a key thing about how what design can bring because it's obviously it has all, all of that empathy framework and it, and it really defines what um problem and connection to the user is is critical and if you can resolve that people will love it and through that um that engagement uh you can you can build massive companies on so there's obviously a huge commercial aspect to design but if you build a connection to the user you you're you do something really special you're obviously solving a problem. You're you're creating a product that they will use, um, and if if a product's not used, it's not going to be successful. So it has to be used and used easily, and it has to be really simple and just instant. Um, and I think those easy products, again, even though they're tough to develop, they can be the most meaningful products that people use. I think, uh, and of course, you're, you've some, you're someone that has practiced what, what you preach in this uh, sphere, I suppose. And one of the product, products that you've worked on is the, the famous Logitech MX305 mouse, uh, probably the, the most used mouse in the world. Um, so tell us how that process worked. Did, did Logitech come to you and go, look, we've got the following features, make it happen? Or was it a much more committee-based approach where they went, okay, we want to reinvent the mouse? Um, it wasn't quite that that uh, brief, unfortunately. Um, but typically, what we what we try to do with that mouse and then with any kind of product is really try and find um, uh, an opportunity in in the market to make sure that we're we're delivering a product that was going to be successful for the user and obviously successful for the client that was that was Logitech. So with with um, we we actually called it a, by a different name and Faro. So I know what is Faro. Um, what we did that was unique with Faro is that we, we designed it a little bit from the inside out. So we actually um, designed it for manufacture and to basically um, assemble it in a different way so that the key plate could be assembled at, at the end of the process, which enabled a huge different um, amount of variations of, of the product. And it became kind of you know designed for the user so you, we could basically customize it per region customize it even per city customize it per um season and you know when we talk about computer peripherals you think of like okay techie products but people actually have quite a close connection with the products that surround their pc because they, they interact with them and uh, for a long time during the day and if you love a mouse you really love a mouse <laughs> 
understand uh, the ergonomics matter, um, how you uh, click, you know, the noise, the the weight of the product matters. And Faro just seemed to be this like little perfect ball of. Um, of brilliance, if I can say, and we had a, we had a great team behind it. We have the best engineers in Logitech. We had a great team of design partners, and and, and I was obviously one of them. And uh, what it did, it, it kind of transcended everybody's um, expectations because usually a life, uh, a product of that nature, their lifespan is about six months. But uh, Fair is still going. It's like. 15, 14, 15 years later and uh, I, I always love seeing it when people are using it and, you know, I, I decide that <laughs> I'm very proud of it And when you look at the various functions that are crammed into it was that part of a brief? Was it, you know, we want you to be able to sit down at your computer and not have to use your keyboard? Um, not, not quite, well, you're, you're always going to have to use, uh, use the keyboard but Specifically, there is like there's a special height for the wheel to the the, the, the grounding of the table, and um, the laser or the optical laser has to touch the the um, surface at a particular angle. So there's constraints there, but any good design project has to have some constraints. Uh, we also um, used um, gas injection for the first time, which was kind of fascinating, which enabled us to have a flare on the bottom case, which actually made it a lot easier to pick up. Um, and we dual injected it as well, so we had like a soft grip on the mouse, so it was really comfortable. And it was it was ambidextrous, so left and right hand, so it really kind of suited um, um, the majority of people. So it, it wasn't, you know... F- feminine or or it wasn't masculine in any way it was just it was gender neutral um, and it just takes an awful lot of a lot of boxes and when you send a product through for testing i mean at which point do the results come in and go ha nailed it I, or i knew this was going to work when it goes out the door we we c- certainly engage in focus groups to get feedback from people and a lot of it it comes from um, observational research so obviously you do a lot of that in house and you watch how people interact with products and spot the opportunities or the challenges that you, you and you might try and craft the product more successfully because a lot of it is actually because with the hands-on product you do spend a lot of time in workshop actually tailoring uh, a, a product to make sure that it's comfortable because if, if it's not comfortable you know you're not going to use it and um, and then obviously you're, you're you're dealing with tooling restrictions you're dealing with um, how quantities of plastic that you can use to keep the cost down and builds the material and then and then um, time timelines it has to fit in within all of this criteria which can be a real struggle at times um, because that can be restrictive within within the creative process but if you don't have those requirements at the end of the day you might not get product to market one of the um, uh, big headline project methodologies that people deal with is Agile, which is based on constant iteration of a product when it goes out. When you were working on the mouse, was it very much the idea of, look, this will go out and we'll come back and we'll get some feedback and we'll do an, another version, another version, another version? Or was it kind of, okay, this is going out to market, this is your shot? <laughs> um, probably a little bit of both. I think through the design process, you have that iterative stage, that kind of concept development. So you get to a shape or a form where you think, you know, okay, we can we can make this product work, but we have to kind of prove it. So we do um, test it with with users to make sure it it does what it says on the tin. It's it's going to be comfortable. You can lift it. You can use it because actually um, a lot of people don't recognise this. You actually lift a mouse quite often, and the weight distribution, how your hand actually sits. So you don't want to have that rep- 
repetitive strain issue uh, at any point or and even that that corner point in your hand where you, where you rest it if you rest that for too long it's going to get really uncomfortable so once you you take kind of the ergonomic aspects to the product development and you know that it can be tooled it can be manufactured um, just specifically talking about the mouse then then you normally you're you're on a good track but um, certainly I think you, you balance that when you go to tooling so you get your, your T1 parts off and you test all the, the, the components inside to make sure that they're working even testing the paint that the paint's going to stay there for a number of years I, I still have a mouse it's over about 10 years old and the paint's still there and that's it's not supposed to last that long but it does um, and then even design versus assembly where does it go after the fact I think that's that's a key criteria now that we really need to take uh, more accountability on designers have a huge role and responsibility in that to um, not just produce products but understand how they're going to be recycled uh, just to step away from actually getting things in, in the hand you've got a, a few other areas of interest when it comes to design and the design sector if you will one of which I was very fascinated to find out was that something up to 95% of lecturers in industrial design are male, which is a, a statistic I found uh, quite quite shocking. So as somebody that was entering the field, did you pretty much look around class the first day and discover you were the only woman? Um, I, there was only about four, four women in my class. Um, all my lecturers were male at the time, except for one female who was actually um, lecturing on history. And it was, I didn't have any f- female uh, product designers to look up to when I was in college. So I was really, um, I didn't have any any uh, role models in the industry to kind of look up to, to say, okay, they made it. So I, I guess I kind of tried to carve out my plan and be very focused on where I wanted to get to. And Design Partners was the only thing on my horizon as long as I got a job there. I was, I was you know, that was, I was on railroad tracks. Um and I think that was part of the inspiration behind Why Design, which was um, an aim to uh, balance the gender um, issue in, in, in the design sector and encourage more female creatives to get to get in, which is currently actually 75-25. But you're right, it's 5% in product design, which is really shocking because I think, um, it's, and it's not, a, it's not a moral issue either, it's actually a business issue because different perspectives add a huge amount of value to industry. And, and I can see that. I've seen, I've seen that firsthand and, and being wheeled in as the token female from my perspective and even though it's quite insulting at times it, they need it they really do need it and uh, and project opportunities come from that and different insights come from that and I think we need to kind of value the diversity that that that, that um, brings on a business level and it's, it's financially more successful businesses that have those balanced perspectives financially perform um, more successfully and um, so the industry has a responsibility to do it, but also um, ac- academically we have a responsibility to do that. So we need more female lectures, um, even if it's just guest lectures, to show um, the product, female product designers of the future that there are women in the industry. So I did a stint in Maynooth for 12 weeks as a guest lecturer, and I was the first female designer that the, the girls on the course had seen, and I was oh my god like it's still happening and I, even with google i was like come on there's there's no excuse 
I remember, uh, it must be about 10 years ago now, um, Nokia made a play for the female market, if you will, by putting out mid-spec phones that happen to be in pink. Yeah. Is this pretty much the equivalent of mansplaining design? Absolutely. And there was um, an initiative called Think Pink uh, a few years ago, and it was like a, a, a knife in the forehead, to be honest. Um, I don't think we should um, box people and just especially women if you put a bit of pink on it yeah they're going to buy it it's highly insulting um, we, we we might like more colour and that's okay I know a lot of men that like a lot of colour too so it's just about addressing particular needs or wants um, and making those those individual choices I think women are a lot more um, used to styling and being a, a little bit more out there with, with fashion um, but to just have two versions of a product, one black, one pink, um, I'll pick the black one every day. <laughs> so when it comes to achieving that greater level of diversity, that greater balance in the industry, what do you, how do you get the message out that, look, women might see things differently, but it's actually equal <laughs> with, without sort of debasing the argument too much that look women see the world one way men see the world the other way and bo- both of them add value to your business yeah yeah it's it's a it's a funny one and i think um showing women in business and and showing um young young girls that these women are doing great things i think women are, are have a have a hard harder time putting themselves out there and breaking glass ceilings you kind of you, you hear that phrase a lot um, and obviously the family comes into play there you can't you can't ignore that and I and, and I think getting that parental leave um, issue resolved so that it's it's equivalent for men and women so that doesn't even come into play so that's not even a discussion it's not thought about when you're hiring a woman for a senior position oh is she going to go on maternity leave for six months that that shouldn't even ev- enter anybody's brain but unfortunately at the moment because of the country is as it is that does come into play with and companies can deny that all they like but it's it's a fact it happens i think that's a really interesting point of getting parity on on maternity and paternity leave because mm-hmm. do you think that perception still exists that if you hire a woman she's effectively a pregnancy time bomb and you're going to be missing her for large portions of the year absolutely and, I, and i've heard it i've been in rooms where it's been mentioned and uh, really in this day and age it is shocking and it still happens it's still happening it'll probably still happen for a number of years and the government needs to put something in place to to just take that out of the equation to allow employees the opportunity um, to have the equal um, parental leave and until that happens I think we're a little bit on an uphill um, struggle well, another sort of facet of, of what you're interested in is looking at the structure of the education system at the moment. Uh, we're all very familiar with STEM at the moment, um, science, technology, engineering and maths. Some of us are interested in STEAM, where you throw in the arts, and you want to throw in a D at the end of it to be steamed. Yep. So tell us a little bit about that. Basically, um, obviously, STEM is high up on a lot of people's agenda, but, and there's millions being thrown behind it from government because they can see the ec- economic benefit for, for, for the country. But what they're, I think they're missing is the, the more creative aspects. So obviously, arts has its place in society, and nobody can um, argue against that. But what I, I think everybody's missing is that link with design. So design is the link between consumers and tech. Design is the link between spaces working well and um, employee engagement. It has so many aspects to benefit the country in policy, in um, education. I, 
and I always had that thought if, if designers ruled the country we'd live in a better place <laughs> and, and not just because it would look better and that's a huge pre-misconception about um, design and it's not about its aesthetics it's about, it's about functionality it's about how things work how things work really really well um, how things are easy for people um, to approach things to engage with and, um, and, and it can be delightful the experiences can be fantastic and that's when you get that emotional connection we were talking about earlier um, and like I, I think about the health services in the country if we had a design project on the health services in Ireland it would be phenomenal and you see the countries that have that that design um, embedded into their culture like Japan uh, Denmark um, that that the notion of design is somewhat different there. Um, you can you can conjure up an image of design, and you you, you understand it immediately. In Ireland, it's, we're we're not there yet. We're we're constantly muddled with arts, crafts, engineering, tech, um, and I and I and I think when that understanding um, comes into play, it'll it'll elevate us all. You mentioned the health system there, and, and that segues quite nicely into another one of your interests, which is mental health. So tell us a little bit about your other project, Mind Over Matter. So Mind Over Matter is a national day of creativity in aid of mental health. It's taking part or taking place on October 10th, uh, which is World Mental Health Day. So in nine sites around Ireland, we have designers from every discipline taking place, um, sorry, give, giving consultations for one day. Um, where the businesses, entrepreneurs or startups can avail of one hour consultation fee and 100% of that goes to AWARE. So they can find out in that hour how design could add value to their business. So it could be a, a product, it could be an app, it could be a space, it could be your, your workplace environment. Um, it could be really anything. Design can add value to any sector. Um, so if you're a small business, large business, it doesn't really matter. Uh, we Last year was our first year and we had solicitors to landscapers to multinationals to... Um, uh, retail um, retailers come in and avail of the services so it was pretty phenomenal and we had exceptional feedback from the businesses that were involved uh, and I, I, we even had a comment saying that, that, that it was life changing for the business because it just gave them a vision and knew where to, to go forward with and, and the designers that are involved this year are exceptional, the calibre is outstanding we have the biggest and the best agencies involved in the day so you know it's a phenomenal um, opportunity to get a, a very key insights for your business at a, re- a reduced rate so it's only 75 euros so it's really low risk and um, you can ask those designers anything but you're actually going to get more than an hour because when, when you book you get the opportunity to fill out a little bit of background and those designers will do a little bit of research on your on on you on the problem or the the aspect that you'd like to talk about and so you'll get that foresight and knowledge um and you will hit the ground running in that hour. So it's it's really a wonderful opportunity on how to find out um, if design can, can help boost your business. You mentioned designers and money in the same sentence there, and it, it brings me to a perennial problem I find when dealing with creative professionals or people working on their own, is to how to put value on your time and how to make people see that there is value on your time. So when it comes to design, do you find that there is this attitude that, you know, I can say, can you put that to the left? Therefore, I'm as good as your designer. Or are people quite hands-off now and go, look, you're the professional, go for it? Um, I think it really depends. I still still think there is a huge... 
huge misunderstanding on, on design and, and, and companies consistently undervalue it. Uh, definitely in different countries, um, you wouldn't get asked requests that some, some of the designers in Ireland get requested with. But typically, um, I think designers need to be really careful not to devalue themselves and not... I don't, don't want to mean, say, be selective with the products or, or projects that they take on, but don't do it for free would be a pretty easy one. Um, and a lot of people approach designers looking for free work. And you wouldn't do that to an engineer. You wouldn't do that to a solicitor. Um, it's, it's, it needs actually to be a recognized profession in the country, just like engineering or architecture. Um, and I think that's something that we're, we're, we would love to... Um, to work on and work towards because that would certainly add a, a huge uh, value. It would maintain a standard of excellence within the community because the, sh- the trouble with design is you can tag it on to just about everything because it's a cool word, right? Um, and then I know we were um, talking about design thinking earlier and design thinking is kind of the in thing an in industry at the moment and um, I've, I've heard a guy stood up at a conference once and said everybody can be a designer and I'm like oh no they can't <laughs> and it's design thinking is a tool um, just like an engineer might use a wrench or, or, or anything like that so it's, it's a skill that you bring to it is, is what a designer can bring that expertise and knowledge um, it's, it's pretty unique well, given that the results can be quite ephemeral, uh, it can be quite difficult for a client to drop in and go, well, how's that design thing going on? Yeah. Neither, nor is there sort of a guarantee that what you get at the end might, might be what you expect. You might get something quite different, but equally as good. How do you get that message across to, um, uh, to potential clients that, look, you're hiring me to do this, but the product you get mightn't necessarily be what you have in your head right now? I think um, most projects tend to be quite educational through them and you have to bring your, the client with you at all stages. So I think communication is obviously really clear and bringing um, the client along uh, with you on the, the stages but explaining why those stages are really tangible for them. Um, and obviously there is there's time to be considered with that and the, the, the knowledge, the weight of the knowledge and the understanding that designers is bringing to that particular part of the project. But there's a huge level of um, appreciation from the clients when they actually understand what's happening and why. So that particular insights are made because of this particular piece of data that this de- the designer has found. And so there's a decision-making process through the, those projects and that's really where the value comes in. Um, but you, you do have to bring the client along with you or, or they just get the end piece. And, I, and unfortunately, that, I say, criteria doesn't exist um, equally through the industry. You might go to a, um, a designer and ask for a project and then you might just get it on a plate at the end. And that doesn't do anybody any justice because it's not valued by the owner then of that, of that um, product. Uh, so you really need to make them as much of a part of the project as possible without them impeding progression and there's a, there's a real balance there to be achieved um, it's a little bit like design therapy <laughs> or, or as in maths show your workings as well as the result absolutely absolutely yeah
And that was Niall Kitson talking to Kim Mackenzie Doyle. If you want to find out more about Ireland's Edge, you can visit the website irelandsedge.ie or follow on Twitter at Ireland's Edge. And if you'd like to like, learn more about Mind Over Matter, visit their website. It's idimindovermatter.ie. That's our show for this week. Remember, you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or listen to us each week online or Fridays at 5pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. On the next week, for myself, Dusty Rhodes, after Nile Kitson, thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.